This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What's up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, back again two times this week. I am bringing you guys a legend tonight. We are talking NFL Draft. We are going to be talking 2020 NFL dra- 2021 NFL Draft. We're going to be talking about the players on both sides of the ball, as always, mostly IDP, all fantasy football. You guys know that's how we do it around here. If it's your first time on the show listening, appreciate that. If you're back again, we also appreciate that. So, I'm going to go ahead and bring in the man himself from expandtheboxscore.com, one of PFF or pro or blah, 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 fantasy pros, most accurate rankers for the last like what four or five years now. We have Andy Singleton at the People's Pins. If you're on Twitter, what's up, dude? Mr. Uh, Mr. Reigns, what's happening? Happy to be here. Pleasure. I made you get the glasses on. I was telling you, I saw your episode last week when you had the shades on. So I figured, let me, let me, let me come with some this week myself. And now, uh, now seeing it, I feel like we both look foolish. But let's just leave them. Let's just do it. It is what it is. Let's have fun. It's Friday night. You and I have uh, some history together. I, I, uh, I love what you do. I love your energy, your passion, your your purpose uh, to yourself and to you know to what you want to bring to this industry. So it's a pleasure to be here. I get to talk with you. I haven't yeah. talked to you in a while. I know, dude. This is a long time coming. A little history for anybody that doesn't know. This is like my fourth iteration of this podcast, but one iteration before this was the IDP 411. That was hosted on expandtheboxscore.com. So Andy really kind of helped me get my legs under me in this game, um, helped support me through the early days when we weren't getting a lot of people, but helped me love the ropes, which is why I'm you know, half decent at what I do now is because I had him to help me show me the ropes, some examples. So I appreciate that, Sensei. It was great working with you. Took me down to the Senior Bowl, which was a crazy awesome experience. Um, you know, especially for someone that doesn't know a lot about college football, it was nice to just like be around somebody and around people that are so passionate about it, which is why when I said, okay, I'm doing an NFL draft show for the channel, who do I want to bring on? So here you are. I brought you on, man. So how, how are things to expand the box score? I know you guys' draft kit has been popping off. Yeah, uh, things are pretty actually really good. Uh, just a, a, couple, a lot of big uh, new things that just actually developed yesterday. So I'm going to hold off on re- revealing all of those, I'll, I'll tease some of them tonight, but um, a lot of new things coming over the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's been a, it's been such a, a long year. Uh, I think 2020 was the longest year I can ever recall in my life. And uh, I, I, at the same time, I can't believe uh, at some points of it how fast it went. But I mean, looking back, it's 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 been a long year. Uh, so we had a lot of things happening. Um, I was I, honestly, I was almost to the point where I was ready to walk from expand the box score uh, just because I was starting to get burnt out and I was running for a big union position. Uh, my time was a little diverted. COVID comes. I mean, there's just so much going on. I was kind of like, are we going to have a, a season? Like just when I think things are going well, are we going to have football to like have stats for? So uh, long story short, I hooked up with Cyril Penn and Paul Duncan, who lead the expand the box score uh, scouting department. And they had their whole team in place already, and we got put in touch. And they're like, hey, we got this idea to do a draft guide, and this is what our whole goal is. And, you know, we're all uh, recent college grads. You know, some of us are going back to school. We've all worked for, 
Sports Info Solutions, PFF. We've all done this and that. We've gone to the Scouting Academy, blah, 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 blah. This is what we want to do. This is, this is our life's ambition. I was like, you sound like exactly what I would do if I could go back 20 years in life. And uh, so, sure, why not? What do I got to lose? Let's do it. And, Jordan, within 48 hours, these guys had, like, completely renewed my spirit, completely got me revamped and excited for football. And this was not even knowing if we were going to have football. Uh, it was just, you know, they just came in so professional, so coordinated, you know, the camaraderie with this team. Uh, we've added some, you know, new content pieces, a new editor, Jeff Hicks, who also does work with 4 for 4. Um, you know, we're, we're enhancing the data. Uh, we're introducing uh, independent defensive uh, statistics for college players. Uh, so that's going to be in the database. So there's just a lot of good things happening in the draft guide, of course, 341 scouting reports, full color, full, full detail, full everything, rankings, overall big board. Uh, and we're about to uh, work on our final uh, version three, which is going to be the final update. And that's going to include athletic testing scores. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's just anything you could want. It's there for every prospect and it's only 12 bucks. Damn. Nice. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, finding a, an all inclusive piece of information, you know, is, is tough and at an affordable price, you know, the, the industry can be tough. So you guys do awesome stuff over there. I've definitely been following Cyril and them since they came on the team. Um, so I do want to talk to you though about some of the actual prospects in this class. So let's talk quarterbacks first. All right. That seems to be the, I mean, it's the hot button issue every year, but this year more so than even I feel like years past, it's very tumultuous. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter today who a lot of people like had Trevor Lawrence at three. And I'm like, are we at the point to where we're just like, you, we, we just have to say like your process is great. And we like bow down to that. Or can we just like call this foolishness or like, what, what's the deal here? And like, why are people, what's, what's going on? Like explain to me. There's absolutely definitely a phrase for this. Uh, I've, you know, personally experienced it more in baseball and dealing with, you know, minor league prospects in that regard, but it's, it's called prospect fatigue and it is a definite real thing. Trevor Lawrence has been the unanimous QB one of this class for years. Um, you know, not months, not weeks, years, mm -hmm. multiple years. Uh, and it's just too much time in the day. I just mentioned 2020 has been the longest year of my life. We've ha have all that time for the thousands of people doing, you know, paid analysis, self-analysis, amateur analysis, whatever you want for all of these hot takes to exist. I mean, this is really the Twitter, Twitter sphere that we live in. Um, this is just people just searching for some difference, searching for every, you know, reason why something has to be. I mean, totally off topic, but, you know, we're talking about Friday night. Last Friday night, I'm watching 2020, and they're doing a special on the Menendez brothers because uh, teenagers nowadays went back 20 years and want to reopen that case. And it's like, this this is crazy. Um, you know, we just have way too much time to just start picking apart every little thing, of every detail of everything. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence being mocked at, at three. I mean, well, I'm not going to... there. He had him ranked there. That's how this oh. guy had him ranked. And I was just like, I, did, I don't know. I just... I, but, I, but the thing is, I go into the comments. This is what I do on Twitter. I go into the comments. And people are just like, yeah, man, like, cool like how how'd you get there dur, dur, dur. i'm like can we not just say this is dumb like can we not just say like this is dumb like no it's absolutely dumb and you know <laughs> um you, you can say there's warts you can say there's concerns you could say you have questions but to tell me if you were the jaguars or any nfl franchise picking one and that wasn't your pick then you're lying to yourself and you're lying to your audience all and, right you know, to me, that's as simple as it is. I think the biggest shocker to me, and um, I, I've been saying this on a couple episodes I've been guesting on, uh, it's not the rise of Zach Wilson or Mac Jones. I can totally see that and, and buy into that. It's the fall of Justin Fields. It's that they're actually passing him in a lot of people's rankings. That's the one thing I can't understand. Um, you, you know, you can – I don't know which direction you want to take that. That could go – in so many different ways, people seem to be putting, uh, you know, political uh, or cultural, you know, spins on it. And I don't necessarily buy that narrative. Um, I, I don't know. Listen, I've never counted another man's money or, or, or spent another man's paycheck. I'm not an NFL general manager. If you want to pick whoever you want to pick at two, three, four, five, that's your money. That, that's, that's your 
That's your decision to make. I'm only going to do the analysis to tell you who I think is the best talent and who I think you should take. Uh, but you know, it's not my pick to make. Yeah, you um, <clears throat> you know, like you said, the prospect fatigue. I remember a point in time, what six months ago, when people were talking about Lawrence and Fields as one A, one B. Like you know, yeah. and even that sounded foolish then, and now this guy's tumbled down, like you said. It's not even is he tumbling down or are these guys flying up that much, but you know now he's the seems to be in the third fourth conversation. So it's 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 interesting. Another thing I find interesting about it is we have Sala and you have Shanahan picking right next to each other after playing, you know, being part of the same organization, you know, very closely right. tied together. So I wonder how that kind of influenced that whole shakeup there at the top of a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that, that's actually an interesting point. And you wonder if there's any jockeying going on there. I don't know. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. But uh, what, what I really kind of my driving point through all this is one thing that convinced me about Joe, Joe Burrow last year and this meteoric rise and why you should believe it was not just, you know, this was a season for the ages Burrow put together. But the fact that he was at Ohio State and then at LSU – so he wasn't just in one program. He was in two programs. He got to see two coaching staffs. He got to, to be in the locker room around two elite programs and all those different athletes and all those different personalities and pick up a lot of different things from that. Justin Fields is in the same category uh, when you look at him starting at Georgia and then going to Ohio State. Uh, so not only do you have the added benefit of what he actually did and produced on the field, you know, the, the athletic profile, the, the all the metrics and everything like that, but – you have somebody that has, should have an edge on everybody else in this class just for the simple fact he's been through two coaching systems, that not just any coaching systems, elite coaching systems. So to me, especially at that position, at the quarterback position, which is supposed to be the extension of the coaches to the team, you know that, that to me is an intangible that you can't really put a price on. So for that reason alone, if you had Fields, Wilson, and Mac Jones you know, side by side, that would give Justin Fields the bump just for that alone. Um, the other thing I'll say with, I, I personally not a big fan of Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't disregard him as being a first round talent. I just think he's too much of a gambler. Uh, I think he got away with a lot of bad throws that will be picked in the, in the NFL. And listen, if I'm wrong, I'll eat that, but, uh, he wouldn't be my first choice. And unfortunately it looks like he's going to wind up in New York for my jets. Uh, but Mac Jones is perceived to be going to San Francisco, as you mentioned. And when you look at their offense, it's basically built the way Alabama is built. So to me, the San Francisco, look at, look at the players they have. Look at the talent they have. That team is built to win with, with like a three- to five-year window. So do we care about Mac Jones and where he's going to be 10, 15 years from now? No. If you're Shanahan, you care about what do I need this year and the next two or three years, and Mac Jones fits that system perfectly. So it makes sense why he would jump Lance Field, I mean uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, but for that very specific reason, if it was just a, Hey, we're rebuilding, we need a quarterback. Then no, I, I don't think Mac Jones would be going three to San Fran. Hmm. All right. Let's talk a little defense. Now. Um, Micah Parsons seems to be the guy that everyone's got as a linebacker one in this class. Is this true for you guys in the expand the box score draft kit? Yes. Uh, and honestly, I think this is kind of a weak uh, middle linebacker class or, you know, linebacker class. Uh, mm -hmm. But he's he's a top on the board for us. And I mean, this is literally almost to a T, almost ounce for ounce, a carbon copy of Isaiah Simmons. Uh, the only difference for me really is that he's more of a traditional linebacker. I think he's a little bit more intuitive to the position. So uh, but size wise, speed wise, um, Ceiling wise, uh, I think at the your floor is Isaiah Simmons, and we saw him start to come on last year. We still don't know what he's going to ultimately be, but you start to saw signs of life at the uh, towards the middle and end of the season. Uh, that's your floor with Parsons, I think, and I and I think as a linebacker, especially as a middle linebacker, as that Mike, I think he's uh, got a higher ceiling. Nice. I'm looking at uh, Peter Schrager's most recent mock, which just came out today, and he has him going 11 to the Giants. That's one pick after the Cowboys, who have a linebacker fetish. And then we also have right before that, we had the Denver Broncos. He had them taking Trey Lance, but they need they need little middle linebacker help too. So that's an interesting little area right there for him to maybe go. Do you have a spot that you think he um, 
is maybe going to land. I mean, it doesn't seem like he, as the best player available, as one of the best players available, doesn't seem like he's going to slip out of that top 15. Um, you know, yeah, maybe- you know, there's a couple teams that could certainly use them, but I don't think their fan bases would necessarily love it. Um, you, you know, when you start looking at, uh, I mean, Atlanta at four is probably high, and I, that seems to be where everybody's saying Trey Lance is going to go. Listen, uh, can you conceivably think if the, if the Falcons want to play for Trey Lance at four and Fields is there because Zach Wilson and and, uh, and Mac Jones have, have leaped him that Atlanta's going to pass on Fields? So I, I think Atlanta's going to be bound to a quarterback or trade in that pick, so whoever bounces up there. Cincinnati, after going through the gut-wrenching uh, pain of losing Burrow, uh, you're going to think they're going to want to protect him, not to mention everything we've, you know, joked and talked about uh, Joe Mixon uh, having as a, this, you know, inferior line in front of him. So it, it looks like Cincinnati would probably definitely go that route. And then you start getting into the weeds where these teams in, in that next realm could go in so many different directions, whether it be offense or defense, you know, um, I don't have a particular landing spot for him, um, but, you know, I can't see him getting past probably 10. Um, I, you know, Philly, if he if he's at 12, it just seems to be the perfect fit. Uh, you know, both a, a Pennsylvania player close to where he played college, a, need, a dramatic need that they have. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I, but I don't think Philly fans would want that at all. They, they, they're going to want a wide receiver there, so. Um, he can go. He can go to a lot of places. Detroit could certainly use him. Um, yeah, he you know. he's got a lot of options. I, I think for IDP production, the best spot for him to go would be the Broncos. Uh, from there, I would I wouldn't mind seeing him go to Dallas because I think Leighton Vanderesh is not long for the league, or at least not long for a starting uh, position. Um, he just doesn't do a lot besides tackle. Honestly, if we're just being honest with ourselves, I don't like him to New York because I love Blake Martinez and I like what he's able to do there as their main guy. I don't even want to have anybody breathing down his neck for IDP purposes. That's me being selfish. Um, Philly, they, they could use him. They definitely, that would be a good pick for them. They just brought in Eric Wilson from the, the, the Vikings. They got him at three Point two five million or something like that, which is crazy on a one-year deal because Wilson was really good this last year, and he's an athletically gifted guy. And I remember they got the um, Anthony Harris as well off the of Vikings. Yeah. So their defense is low-key kind of – it's not what it – not the defense they roll out week one is going to be nothing like the defense they had last year. So no matter if they get – if they draft Micah Parsons or not. So so what do you say? My, my distant cousin Alex Singleton is uh... – Oh, Alex Singleton's good. I, I think he's I think he's better than people want to admit. Even myself during the season, I was just like, eh, but he kept showing up and he yeah. wasn't just making tackles. He was making plays. So but I, I you know I was I was a Nate Gary apologist too there for like a 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, listen, you you weren't the only one, but uh that was just he's just a lightning rod. Uh I, yeah. I love what you said about Denver though, especially considering what they've done to kind of uh solidify uh and, and shore up their secondary. Um, you know, this past offseason. I mean, that really takes away uh, a lot of the passing threat, if you will, and, and gives Parsons, if he winds up in Denver, uh, a lot of extra time and room to maneuver in the middle of the field, uh, not only just making tackles, but also, you know, helping against the run uh, and just locking things down. So I would that would be a phenomenal fit right out of the gate for him if he did wind up there. Yeah, you you have to wonder if one of these quarterbacks drops if they do take one of those. But the reality is we've seen Denver the last, what, four or five drafts. They just don't take first-round quarterbacks. You know what I mean? They just don't. Um, so they'll probably take Parsons, which would be good for his IDP prospects. Yes. Um, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you about is this uh, JOK guy. Uh, I can't say his name very, very well. I'll try to get it out. Jeremiah Owusa Koromoa. I think yeah, I got Awusu Koromo, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what you- AKA the Joker. Um, you know, it's listen, everybody loves a nickname. The, the only Joker I think of now is playing basketball in Denver. Uh, but we can go with the Joker. That's fine. Um, we have also been doing a video series through Twitter, 220 Scouting, with Matt Holder and uh, 220 Scouting because Twitter allows you two minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, to upload a video. So uh, for short attention span theater, it's perfect. Uh, We go through 
three to five or six clips in that two minute, 20 second span. And Matt goes over and breaks down uh, specific attributes of a player on specific plays and how they win and why you should be intrigued by them. Uh, Koromoa, the thing that you got to love about him is he has very high level uh, football IQ as well as high level instincts, just natural instincts to, to the ball and just sizing up opponents playing, you know, the chess game. But he also has the athleticism to match all of that. Uh, so he can he can back this up. Now, I do think he's a little bit undersized and somewhat of a concern. I think he can get bullied a little bit. Um, definitely, I think, keeps him at that linebacker role, whether it be, a, 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 you know, on the strong side and the weak side, as the mic, as the will. Um, I can't really ever see him growing into an edge kind of rusher, even though he does have that kind of athleticism and speed. Uh, I just don't think he has the, the necessarily uh, the strength to win consistently. So I, I think you'll see him in the middle of the field, but he's definitely uh, a playmaker in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, he can intercept, uh, he can cover, he can tackle, uh, and he's he's got great smarts and instincts. Yeah, I could see uh... – it's, it seems like the Lions are in desperate need of a linebacker just to get that defense, you know, a piece they can build around. Uh, he's a good con- contestant to go there. Another guy, Zazen Collins. Uh, I've heard he was got a lot of hype a couple of weeks ago. People have kind of cooled down on him. But from what I've seen, I mean, he's he's a big boy. He looks like one of the bigger linebackers in this class, if not the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, looked like he had good instincts as well. Looks like he had good hands. He had multiple interceptions this last year. Uh, what, what can you tell me about him? And what do you think about him? Uh, you know, his prospects, you know, obviously it's a landing spot dependent, but what, what do you, what did you see when you watched him play this year? Yeah, I originally liked him as a first rounder. I've kind of cooled off on that. Uh, Zayvon Collins was the top linebacker in the country. He led Tulsa to, you know, a top 20 program. Um, definitely a heart and soul kind of guy, but he's, he, as you said, he's big. A little bigger. He's in that four-seven range. Um, To me, the the name that kind of comes to mind with that is Reggie Ragland. So you got a guy who could be productive, but he's not going to be elite. He's not going to be that next level top guy. Um, You know, the 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 locker room guy, the the guy who can you know call plays in the huddle, the guy that can can you know run the defense, but he's not going to be your star on defense. I don't think there's a guy that uh, I've dropped from having a first round grade on him. Uh, I don't think this is a guy that's going to come in and, you know, maybe he'll make a Pro Bowl or two in his career because he does have that kind of ability. Uh, but I don't think this is going to be the guy that you're you're you you're not building around him. You're supplementing him to other pieces. Yeah, he's going to be more of a, a a fit kind of defensive player, maybe like a like a guy you could put into Washington or somewhere that's already pretty well established. Which they need linebacker help. Although I am a, a Cole Holcomb fan, but I would like to see you know a playmaking linebacker end up there as well. They have that uh, that nineteenth overall pick. Um, looks like Peter Schrager here has another defender defender. I wanted to ask you about mock there, Trev Trevon Morig. This TCU safety, what can you tell me about him? Which is the interesting thing about this is Traeger putting him there is they hit on Cam Curl last year. Is what was he a fifth or fourth or fifth out of ASU? He's, I, don't rem- I don't remember the act. The he's he's pick, good. Yeah. He's good. And then we know Landon Collins is good. He's hurt, but we've seen people come back from Achilles injuries and be okay um, in recent years, uh, most notably being Richard Sherman. Uh, so it'd be interesting if they did draft him, but what, what do you think about Trevor Morig? Yeah, he, he's a lot of mocks. You'll see have him as the top safety. Uh, we have him listed at the top as well. He's not my personal top safety and not for anything necessarily a knock against him. Uh, to me, it's more of a tier that's clumped up at the top. Um, this is not necessarily a strong safety class. And not only do I mean the actual literal position, strong safety, but a top, you know, strong class of safeties as well. Uh, it's not a, it's not an awful class. It's, it's not a, it's not a leading role kind of class, uh, in my opinion. And it's definitely more of a free safety and coverage class, uh, which is good because the league is definitely trending more vertical and you want to have extra pieces in the secondary, whether it be, you know, that, that nickel corner or, or, you know, somebody man in the slot, um, you know, linebackers are moving back to the safety position, you know, so it's not something we're not seeing uh, guys that can cover back there, but it's maybe I'm dating myself uh, by wanting to see more 
traditional hard hitting guys that are, you know, are also known as being good tacklers and sound tacklers and coming up and being that last line of defense, um, not just covering the ball, but also covering the ground, if you will, or, you know, uh, against the uh, receivers running or, or running backs getting through or tight ends coming across, whatever the case may be. Um, so more, more definitely a talent, but, uh, not my top safety. I actually have Richie Grant as my top safety, and I just get, I just get vibes, a feel of one of my favorite players ever, uh, and a Miami guy, Ed Reed, uh, where he's just he just gets the job done. He's just got a knack for the ball. He just always seems to find a way to get it uh, or get there, uh, whether it be you know stripping it and forcing a fumble, or getting his hands on it and breaking something up, or getting an interception. Uh, I know his turnovers kind of calmed down a little bit as his career went on, but that's also, to me, a, a symbol of uh, teams being afraid to throw in his direction. So um, he would be at the top of my safety list. But this is, again, it's a tier. Uh, so you, you, you got those two, and then you got Javon Holland out of Oregon uh, on that top tier for me. Um, so it's it's not the greatest class of safeties, but it's also not the worst. You will get some talent there. Nice, nice. Got a question here on the YouTube says from Vinny, Javon Davis uh, is going to be a steal for a lot of a line of the linebacker core of the linebacker crop. Golly, y'all. Sorry. I may even have him number two. Same height, weight as Zach Cunningham, but more athletic. I have seen him. The buzz about him has kind of risen. It's kind of fallen off again, but I heard people comparing him to uh, Darius Leonard a few weeks ago. I saw him go in the first round of a couple of mocks uh, at the at the end of March. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Jam- Jamon's Davis sort of meteoric rise to prominence? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually very well warranted. Um, this kid is flying up boards. Um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get the name real quick because it, it it's slipping me from a couple uh, recent years. Uh, Montez Sweat, who, who jumped up boards towards the, uh, towards the end, and he's more on the edge. The uh, reason I say Sweat is because – uh, Jamin Davis is playing middle linebacker, but he's got the size at 6'4", 235. Uh, he's got the speed with a, a legit sub 4'4", 440. Uh, and he's, you know, he's got that toughness that I could ultimately see this guy also working off the edge, um, not just in the middle. Uh, he did serve that role at Kentucky. He handled the mic for them. Uh, but, you know, I do, do think he has the nastiness to, to get around and, and bend around the corner and, and rush the, the, uh, the passer. Um, He's not rising boards by accident. You know, he's got great anticipation. This guy has some dog in him. Um, you know, he, he's looking to hit. Um, you know, and I, I, that will come up when we go into another uh, linebacker you were, you were asking me about. But he wasn't really asked to do a ton for Kentucky, but I think he's way more athletic than people realized. Um, you know, that's an important position on the, on the defense, you know, manning the middle. And, uh I think some of the reasons he was there is because he was the best athlete on that Kentucky defense. Um, but I don't think he's limited to just, you know, one position. I think, I don't even think we necessarily know what he's going to be yet because he's, he's got freak athleticism. I think his unofficial 40 was a, a four, three, seven, uh, the range was four, three, seven to like four, four, two or something. So, I mean, he's a legit four, four guy at six, four, two probably could put a little bit more muscle on that frame too. Uh, and we're talking about a guy that, like I said, likes to hit, has good anticipation, and, and is looking to make plays and is a good tackler. So uh, I, I really like him a lot, and he's definitely not rising by accident. Yeah, I like what you said there. If they can get him to play some of those high-leverage snaps rushing the passer and he's good at it, you know, ends up or ends up on a team that's putting a lot of pressure so he can get home, you know, that's one thing you love about players like uh, Darius Leonard, you know, multi, multiple sacks every year of his career, Seven as a rookie, five last or five two years ago, three this last year. But he's always going to be good for those, those big plays and not just you know tackles for loss or pass breakups like the big big plays like the home run hit. So I love you love that upside in a linebacker to go along with that tackle floor. So I will definitely be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, the the other thing is is I think he gives you versatility. You know, if you're in the, you could take him and pair him with a guy like Leonard. Let Leonard stay in the middle. And now this is what I'm saying. You could push him out and just say, rush the passer. Uh, if you need him to play the middle, he's shown and proven he can handle that workload as well. So uh, he, he offers that versatility, whereas a guy we were talking about before, 
uh, with Zayvon Collins. Like, I, I just don't think he has the speed uh, to, you know, to put on the outside. So you, you're not going to really be able to mix and match as well with him. So uh, not only does, uh, you know, uh, Jamin Davis give you this incredible high ceiling, uh, but he gives you, you your squad a lot of flexibility to maneuver with as well. Nice, nice. All right. Well, IDP Army will be back in just a moment to talk about Baron Browning. We're going to talk about Quiddy Pay, and we're going to hit a couple of these defensive players. Might even talk a little bit about the running backs before I let Andy get out of here. So stay tuned. What's up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, interrupting the show quickly to tell you guys about a new sponsor of the show, Monkey Knife Fight. If you haven't checked out Monkey Knife Fight yet, you're definitely going to do that. Let me tell you what they have to offer, all right? Monkey Knife Fight is daily fantasy sports gaming website for casual sports fans that is simple and easy to use and easy to play. The users determine which superstars competing for the day's professional sporting events will record more or less than a contest provided. Monkey Knife Fight's daily fantasy prop games play similar to salary cap-based CFS games, but without all the algorithms, the lineups, and most importantly, the sharks. You guys got to go try this at IDP Army, okay? Monkey Knife Fight is like our brand, like the IDP Army brand. It's disruptive. It's forward thinking. And they are definitely where we play daily fantasy sports. You guys should too. Get started today with a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 if you use the promo code IDP Army. That's only for the first time or new depositors only, but hopefully you guys are getting in there, winning some money, having a good time, and make sure whenever you guys get in there, and if you do win a little bit of money, you know, which is what we want you to do, take those winnings, go sign up with the Patreon, Patreon patreon.com. That'll get you into the IDP Army Patreon, where you can check out the Ultimate IDP Index, the Discord channel, and all that other good stuff. So, IDP Army, you know what to do. Back to the show. We're back. Hope you didn't miss us too much. Hope I didn't bore you to tears there with my little advertisement. Uh, but guys, like I said, do go check out the Patreon. Check out the Ultimate IDP Index. That's my baby. That's something I've been working on a long time. You guys already know about that. But let's talk about Baron Browning. This is a guy who played at Ohio State who has had they had Malik Harrison come out last year. They had another good. They found they usually put a lot of a lot of defensive backs more so than uh, linebackers. But I've heard that this might be the best linebacker in this class, and that he has almost no flaws. And I've heard that if he wasn't an injury concern, he would almost assuredly be resting kind of at the top of this class. Now that's just what I've heard. Now I want to hear from the man himself. Andy, what are your thoughts on Baron Browning? And is this guy a sleeper for my IDP people out there? Yeah, and I'm going to just say in a nutshell right off the bat, no, uh, I don't think so. Uh, we have him in the gra- in the guide as our fifth-ranked linebacker uh, with a 6.4 overall grade, this being out of a scale of eight. Uh, so as if, for instance, Micah Parsons is uh, LB1, and he's at a 7.0. Uh, Wusu Koromoa is a 6'9". So Browning's at a 6'4". He's tied with Buddy Johnson, Cameron McGrone, and uh, Monty Rice out of Georgia. Uh, But my personal feeling with Baron Browning is that I I really, I don't love his recognition. Um, If, you know, to me, if he's not immediately involved, then he looks a little passive. When we were talking about Jamin Davis before, like, he looks aggressive. Like, he looks like he wants to be involved in every play, whether... You know, it's coming right at him or he's got to go out of his way to get in, involved. I don't necessarily see that same tenacity with Browning. Um, you know, he played mostly Will. He, he's not a tackling machine. He was that weak side guy. And he's been relying on his athleticism to this point. But that, as we know, gets harder and harder with every next step in the level of competition. So it's not going to get any easier for him. And he doesn't necessarily jump out of the screen at me. Is like, who is this guy making all these plays? Uh, he's there, he's productive, he's solid, uh, but more so, to me, a, a product of being on a good team and being put in a good position uh, as opposed to going out of his way or necessarily doing anything to necessarily wow you. Um, you know, if he was just what he's been in college, I wouldn't see that as a fantasy factor uh, for IDP. Uh, as, like I said, not a, a huge tackling machine. He's not getting a lot of stacks. He's not, you know, he's not really piling up the statistics that are going to help you in a, in a fantasy realm. Um, I don't want to play the 
program card, but you know, you mentioned the defensive backs out of Ohio State, the linemen, of course, as well with the Bosa brothers uh, and, and Chase Young and whatnot. But um, when's the last time we really saw a good Buckeye linebacker? Uh, it's been a while. You know, we've had a lot of names that have flashed and and have been built up. You know, the, the Darren Lees of the world come to mind, but we haven't really have one that's hit. Um, you know, so I, I think Browning, unfortunately, probably falls more into that category, and it's nothing. You know, I'm not trying to make it a program thing, but uh, one thing that really comes to mind in particular, uh, you know, and again, listen, if you hi- if you try to use one play as an example, people will say, oh, but what about this play? What about that play? Of course, but I, I use plays to uh, talk about traits, instincts, uh, athleticism, things of that nature. And to me, he can get caught in taking, you know, bad angles and, he becomes easy to beat. Uh, one play in particular that comes to mind is he had Trevor Lawrence dead to rights uh, at, in the goal line stand and <clears throat> took a bad angle, and it was just enough, that split-second decision, for Lawrence to get the edge on him and run in for a touchdown. Uh, meanwhile, he had him one-on-one dead to rights in the backfield for a loss and shut it down right there, but bad angle to the ball. Now he's lost his, his gain, and uh, that's it. It leads to a touchdown. So things like that are, to me, too much. Uh, on the film and in his repertoire. So I, I'm not in love with Browning. Well, shoot. Sorry. All right. No, you're all right. And I'm glad I you know that's one of the guys I, I mentioned uh, on, to you on Twitter today because I, I wanted to hear that. I mean, that's good information. No, I was probably getting a little too high on him. Now I know to uh, to pull back, I'd, and IDP Army knows too, so that's good info. I'd much rather have Jamin Davis than Baron Browning if you were looking for a linebacker that didn't have to be Parsons. All right, there you go. You heard it from the man. Um, all right, let's talk about some of these edge rushers before we get you out of here. Quiddy Pay, Michigan. Uh, what, what do we need to know about this guy? He seems to have. He seems to be the guy that's kind of risen up and kind of gets a lot of the talk right now. I know last year. Again, if anyone watches this channel, knows I don't watch college football. A lot of college football, I'll occasionally catch part of a game. But uh, last year, I remember it was Gregory Rousseau was getting all of the kind of the the, the talk, kind of all the the play. But it seems like people are more in on pay now. What, what, what's the deal with this guy, and why is he rising up draft boards, or why has he this last year? Uh, I mean, he's just kind of a freak when you look at his size. I mean, he's he's massive. He's he's not you know, he's not a light bodied frame. He's uh, he looked kind of like a Deron Payne. He's built like a brick shit house. Deron Payne from the Washington uh, football team. And when I saw Quiddy Pay for the first time, that's immediately who I thought of. Yeah, and, and he's, I mean, to add to that size, he's got incredible quickness, uh, burst, uh, strength. You know, he can win with a variety of moves. Uh, he can run with, you know, he can win with the bull rush. He can win with the spin. He can win with the swim. He can win with so many different moves and, and, and just gaining ground on linemen and just beats them, you know, routinely. Uh, this is another guy we did a 220 video on, so you can go and just check him out. And, I mean, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch on film. Uh, we do have him at the top of our edge rusher rankings at a six, nine, uh, he's tied with Rousseau at, at a six, nine grade. Um, but you look at some other guys like, you know, Rousseau might not even be the, the favorite Miami guy right now with, uh, you know, how Jalen Phillips tested at his pro day. Uh, this is a, a deeper edge class, not necessarily top heavy, uh, more balanced. Um, when, when you start looking at guys like, uh, Ojulari and Joseph Asai out of Texas, uh, Jason Owa, uh, who tested out of this world uh, at, Penn, at his Penn State Pro Day, um, you get into that still in that top-tier level with guys like Peyton Turner out of Houston, who's rising on a lot of people's boards, Carlos Basham, um, you, you know, Jalen Phillips, as I mentioned. You, you got a, a solid uh, 10 to 12 guys that could be high-level, double-digit stacks guys on a yearly basis. I mean, we have Joe Tryon out of Washington, ranked 14th, and I know a lot of guys love him. Uh, see him as just a, a beast, uh, you know, uh, that could come around the edge and cause havoc. So, uh, Shaka Tony out of Penn State, I mean, he didn't really produce as much. We have him all the way down at 20. Uh, but this is a guy that was in that Penn State offense that, I mean, sorry, Penn State defense that had Parsons, had always. So, you know, maybe he just got lost a little on the shuffle and is, you know, better than we really think. Um, so, I, to me, you talk about Quiddy Pay. He's to me the safest of everything that's in there, just for the sheer size, strength, physicality, 
um, you know, watch the 220 video I'm talking about. Go to Expand the Box Score uh, Twitter feed and and or, or just search at XT uh, Box Score and put in Quiddy Pay and the video should come up. And I mean, you're, if you're not impressed, then you don't love football because uh, th- this guy is just he's a monster. Nice, nice. Well, sounds like he's worth the hype. Yeah, um, my recent kind of thesis and IDP has been to kind of avoid the defensive line players as rookies uh, and go for the linebackers because they usually are better, uh, more likely to produce. However, you know, the last couple of years we have had Chase Young, and then we did have the class before that where we had Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Max Crosby, Montez Sweat, Ryan Burns. So those classes kind of spoiled us, I feel like. But maybe this class is going to spoil us again. I don't, you know, I don't know. This there's been it seems like there's been a nice infusion of uh, quality edge rushers the past couple of years into the NFL. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that um, you know defensive linemen take a little longer to develop. Um, some of the edge rushers depends on what your, you know. I I think people look at Pay and think he's going to play more inside. I think there's definitely a guy that can stay on the edge. Uh, when you talk about size, uh, again, I'm I'm losing names now. The kid out of Iowa last year, um, mm. uh, uh, off the edge. Um, oh, Epinesa. Yes, yes, that uh, fell to the Bills. Right. Uh, he was he was a guy that I looked at. And I just thought this this is just a big guy. He just wins with with uh, strength. Uh, you know, he's not winning with necessarily quickness or athleticism on the edge. He's just he's just bruising guys and bearing down on them. Uh, Quiddy Pay can do that. And then he can also beat you with like pure athleticism and speed and quickness. So uh, he's not a one-dimensional guy. And so when you look at that package, he's kind of a guy that I get what you're saying, but I might be more willing to invest in uh, even for year one. Nice, nice. I'm looking at NFL.com. Their NFL comparison for him is Emmanuel Agba, who had a a really good year this last year with the Dolphins. Yeah, he was – Kind of a a, a, re, a a nice rebound, right? Yeah, from uh, he was with the Chiefs for a little the year before that, and I mean, it wasn't like he was bad, but he's and he's never been really bad. He's just been kind of just a middle of the pack kind of edge rusher. But this last year, he he really put on those sacks and you know made a big difference. And I feel like that whole Miami team, just in general, there's a lot. Everything there is just syncing up really well. Um, I'm 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 a team two a guy. I think he's going to blow up this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually uh, was listening to – you want to go back to quarterbacks real quick. I was listening to – what was I listening to? Oh, um, Damian uh, Parsons um, had Kyle Krabs on his show. And uh, I just heard a little snippet that they teased or whatever. It was basically talking about two throws in particular that Tua did not make that, you know, he just panicked. One was Devontae Parker wide open, like on a double hitch or something. And he just, like, saw him and just, you know, was gun-shy. And then there was uh, another play, like a Jazeki seam route, uh, that he was wide open and, you know, just didn't throw him the ball. Benched him. Fitzpatrick comes in. They run the same play right away, that same Jazeki seam, and it goes for, like, 40 yards. I'm just thinking these seem like very easy fixes, that if you had a good coach and, and, you know, we we can identify this in this world in this community that this should certainly be identified with two and his coaches. And if you can't say, listen, son, you, you you can make this throw. Just put the ball in the put the bread in the basket. You know, we're looking at you know a, a four thousand plus yard passer next year with you know twenty plus touchdowns and the number what was it three overall pick that uh, we thought he could be. Yeah, I, and you know, adding Will Fuller. People, I don't think they're going to take a first-round running back. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a receiver, honestly, uh, with that first-round pick. So it'll be. I, I just think I just don't see a world where Tua doesn't get better and it doesn't get noticeably better uh, in year two. So, all right, before we close it out, I had one other defensive player I did want to ask you about, and that was the other guy out of Miami. Uh, Colin or Phillips, Jalen Phillips. I, he's another guy that I've kind of seen rising up. Um, what can you tell me about him? Yeah, that that's really more so been because of his uh, his pro day and how he tested. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I have to go back and look them up. But we had him uh, at a six six. And again, these scores are going to change a little bit with our uh, third and final version of the guide uh, implementing. Now that we have 
athletic testing and, and all these pro day numbers. Uh, they're they're going to be uh, fluctuating a little, but you know Phillips is is, is another big guy, uh, solid program. I I think his biggest uh, issue has been consistency more so than anything else. Like this kid was a you know high high recruit coming into Miami, part of you know one of those names that was coming in to rebuild the program. Uh, showed flashes, you know he got to wear the chain. You know, multiple times. You know, the three hundred five, and uh, you know, got to got to mug for the cameras. You know, wearing the turnover chain and everything like that because he was making plays. But it, I, I think the consistency level was what kind of was lacking. And then when you see like Rousseau sat out this year, and then Miami just kind of wasn't what they were supposed to be. I think that wears on players like Phillips, where that shine kind of, you know, going back to kind of like that prospect fatigue where, you know, the shine kind of wanes, uh, wears off a little. And then you come out and you have a great pro day and you remind people that, hey, I was a top prospect for a reason. Hey, I'm a good football player. Hey, I got size and athleticism that like, you just can't teach. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're going to start reminding people of why you should be considered uh, one of the top at your position in uh, in any particular class. And I think that's where we are with Jalen Phillips. So, yeah. Um, I think you remember this. I, I've been a Miami fan just, you know, because, uh, you know, more recently I've I've been partial to Bama, but I've always been a Miami fan just because we didn't have a football team in New York City outside of Rutgers, and I just adopted them as a child. And uh, so I'm happy to see, um, you know, Phillips uh, starting to get the rise. Of course, this was a kid that transferred out of UCLA uh, into Miami. So, you know, it's it's been a slow process to get to this point for him. And again, I think that's kind of where, like I mentioned, the prospect fatigue. This is somebody that's been known, we've known about. Uh, it's just kind of like reminding, hey, don't forget about me. And that's where we are. Nice, nice. Yeah, it says he ran a 4.54 at the at the 40. Uh, that's pretty dang quick. So Yeah, yeah. Well, and what was his uh, measured weight? It was in the 260s. Uh, 260, exactly. Yeah, so I mean... Dang. That's a yeah. lot of moment, a lot of force coming at yes, you. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, we got here somebody on Twitter or on uh, YouTube. Phillips is being slept on because of concussion concerns. Yeah, that that's what happened to Montez Sweat too. wasn't concussion, but it was the heart thing. And golly, did him more than the yeah. He's the such a beast. Did him more than anything. But I, I listen. The concussions are going to be a part of any football player's uh you know concerns. Um, it, all it takes is one. So you know if if you're still playing with with a couple on your ledger, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, this is, you know, this is the game. This is a dangerous game. This is, we yeah. know this going in. So uh, I, I get it. I get that that could be a concern, um, but you're playing. He is playing. And, um, you know, like I said, all it takes is one. So to me, that's the type of thing that I can't really worry about that. I We can yeah. talk about Caleb Farley and his back issues. And to me, I'm not even that concerned about those, but that would be something that I you could say, hey, that's more of a let's panic on this, maybe, possibly. Montez yeah. Sweat with the with the heart issue coming up, maybe, okay. But the concussion thing to me is kind of like, listen, that's that's par for the course. Yeah. Um, so if he had to miss time or any parts of last season, maybe, yeah. But uh, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Fair, fair. All right. Well, that pretty much covers all the players that I wanted to go over in this draft. Uh, Andy, is there anything else you want to tell the IDP Army or anything else you want to chat about before we roll out of here? Yeah, I want to tell people that uh, I I really respect and love what you're doing with this whole IDP thing. You know, you came up to IDP one two three scoring. Uh, you've really been a proponent for the game. I, I think it's a great thing. I'd like to see it get more into the college ranks, especially now that we're going to be offering. Uh, independent defensive metrics and stats for uh, college players in our database as well. So, you know, I would love to see more people start at that level uh, with this because, you know, for one of the frustrating things before I started playing IDP was knowing who defenders were and seeing guys and just like they had no value. And, you know, you get into the the fifth and sixth wide receiver on a roster because, well, I could roster him, but I can't roster Ray Lewis. Uh, you know what I mean? And, it, and mm -hmm. we're actually playing the full game now. Uh, so 
to me, it's I, I I love the attention that you know you and others have been giving it to uh, have been giving to it. So um, definitely keep following Jordan and uh, keep growing this thing out. As far as anything else, I want to say um, tons of stuff coming uh, to expand the box score. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you want. Follow uh, expand the box score for sure. We're built off of our stats. Uh, we're an advanced statistical database that has every touch for every player. Uh, we started with the college game. We also have NFL stats as well. Uh, probably our biggest uh, advantage is having a, a, a comparison table where you can customize your search to however you want. Uh, so as an example, you could search junior wide receivers, five foot ten or under in the SEC with a minimum of eight targets if you wanted. You know, you could get that specific uh as an example so um to me that's probably our best thing but we do have like i said every touch for every player we have targets we have red zone data uh and of course i'm talking about uh college right now but uh, nfl we have a little bit beyond that uh we're in the midst of a complete um upgrade to everything so the look the field some of the stats that we have uh it's all going to be there um and we're priced at uh, a yearly subscription is $25 for full access to uh, sport of your choice for a full year. Uh, so it's really, you know, something you can't be without. doesn't just help for fantasy, helps for gambling, helps for, you know, scouting. Uh, any aspect you can apply it to, uh, it, it has a use and a value for football fans. And then the draft guide, as we were talking about, uh, 341 full scouting reports. Uh, it's just you know, one of the, we haven't had one bad review on it. And I feel so confident in saying that purchase it. And if you don't like it, I will refund your money gladly. I, I, and you could keep the guide. Uh, so you can get it for free if you don't like it. I mean, let's, let's be honest uh, with each other, um, you know, but uh point is you, you, you're going to appreciate you're gonna it. Love it. You're going to love it. So yeah, go check that out if you haven't already. That's the deal. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on, guys, gals. Like I said, Andy and I go way back. He's been in my corner since the beginning. The very first iteration of IDP 123 scoring article is on expandtheboxscore.com. That is where the, yeah, let's. I forgot I had these on. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, golly. That is where the original can be found. That's where the first version went up before the, uh, the next iteration went on dynasty nerds and then i have other iterations kind of around the internet now but that's where it all really started and andy gave me a spot to put my work that i've been you know all that research i got into it so i really do appreciate that and you giving me that that shot that opportunity and it's it's led to this you know i mean it's taken a while to get here but you know everybody's got a journey and a story and you've been a part of mine and i'm sorry it took me so long to get you on here but i've had a good time tonight man it's all good it's all good and you know there's always uh the future episodes as well so Amen. I'm just happy to be here tonight. So thank yeah. you for uh, having me. And hopefully uh, gave some of your audience something to uh, write in their notebook and take the draft day with them. Hell yeah. I'm sure we all learned a little something tonight. So ladies and gentlemen, IDP Army, until next time, it's been your man Jordan Reigns. It's been Andy Singleton, the People's Pen. We'll be back soon. Let the rain hit the sand. Build a house on a rock, got a plan. Gotta get stocks, keep them bands. Hit the clock, tick blades on a fan. Used to be mundane on a Monday. Now you have fun day on a Sunday. Cause you're switching it up and you're living it up. You ain't getting it enough.